0: You're listening to a podcast produced by the Jackson School of International Studies, the Center for West European Studies, and the European Union Center at the University of Washington. This and other podcasts can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information, visit us at jsis.washington.edu slash EU West Europe.
1: Hello, and welcome to this evening dedicated to the Old Continent. I am Ilona Härmavaara, the visiting lecturer of Finnish, uh, and I want to welcome you all on behalf of uh, the Finnish Studies Programme and the Scandin- Scandinavian Studies Department. This fall, Finland holds the presidency of the Council of the European Union for the third time since it joined in 1995. In fact, Finnish has also been taught at the University of Washington uh, since 1995 through the Finnish lectureship supported by the Finnish government and UW. As the holder of that post, I am delighted that we have here tonight a Finnish ambassador who has a perspective on the European Union longer than the Finnish membership in it. This lecture is co-hosted with the Jackson School, and it is a great honor to have Ambassador Jan Stora uh, here today to give us a talk as part of the celebrations of the 25 years of European studies at the University of Washington. Before I hand uh, the floor over to the Chair of European Studies, Sabine Lang, I want to say thank you to the family Erotetri. Uh, whose generous support of Finnish at the University of Washington has allowed us to bring Mr. Sture to campus. I also want to thank the European Studies Programme uh, for their close collaboration in putting this visit together. So thank you and welcome.
2: The pleasure is all ours. My name is Sabine Lang and I do chair the Center for West European Studies here at UW. I also direct the European Studies program and we could not put on these events without collaboration, without the cooperation of many, many different departments across campus. Uh, Scandinavian Studies is one of them and one of the major ones. Um, Ilona just mentioned we do celebrate 25 years of European Studies here at UW um, this year. Uh, We've counted, we've graduated over 500 European Studies majors in that time and they go on to be enthusiastic and experienced Europeans wherever they go to, if it's diplomacy, if it's law school, if it's doing restaurant managing work in ethnic cuisines and so on and so on. We have had many students, of course, who travel to Europe and decide this is the place to be for them. They want to find a way to stay, and many of them do, as a matter of fact. Um, Ambassador Storr, who I will introduce in a second, uh, spoke in a class of mine yesterday, and amongst many other interesting discussions we've had with him then, he also mentioned that one of the indicators of a real successful cultural, political, economic exchange in the European Union has been the so-called, and you'll forgive me, the Erasmus babies. Um, It has been the Um, effects of many, many Europeans, I think we're talking about 20 million over the years now, going from one European country to the other to study, to experience life, to make friendships, some of them to stay and to have solid relationships. So when you said that I was kind of thinking how I could Rephrase my reporting structure in European studies here to maybe include a category of Euro studies babies. I'm not quite sure yet how I'll do it, but it's an interesting additional idea of European influence uh, that we should that we should think about. Um, I'd like to not just thank the, European, uh, the, the the Scandinavian Studies Department for putting this on and being such a great partner. I also would like to thank our staff here. We have Phil Lyon in the room somewhere, the Managing Director of European Studies, uh, of, of the Center for West European Studies, Jessica Meyerson, who put a lot of work into organizing this and is now again working, taking photographs. Coming to our guest of honor tonight, um, Jan Store was already mentioned, Ambassador Jan Store, a Finnish diplomat who um, also has a degree in political science. Um, He got his first dipping into politics, I understand, in the Department of International Development Cooperation in Helsinki. He spent time with the OECD in Paris. In the early 1990s, and that is we're right at the fall of the wall now, he became deputy, and we have a running gag here, but I I get it right now. He became deputy, permanent representative to EFTA, the European Free Trade Association. Uh, And in this function, he negotiated a number of trade deals with, amongst others, Poland, Hungary, Czechoslovakia, um, Romania. Bulgaria so laying foundations what then in 2004 became a big accession round for the European Union between 1995 and 2000 he was deputy permanent representative of Finland to the EU and then in 2004 just as accession happened he became the Finnish ambassador to Poland and my students were I think is especially grilling you on on this uh, period in your life. 2008 to 2013, he he came back to the European stage and became Finland's permanent representative to the EU. Um, The European Union that I grew up with was all about deepening and widening, deepening or widening. This is not where we are at right now in my opinion. We are in a phase where it's really a discussion about keeping the common value and norm stru- structure of the European Union in place and developing it, or becoming more of an intergovernmental body again. And I think there isn't a better person to speak to you about all these challenges. Uh, Ambassador Store's talk is titled, A New Beginning for Europe? The European Union in a Time of Turbulence and Uncertainties. And I would like to welcome you to the stage.
3: Thank you very much, Ilona, thank you very much, Sabine. And uh, thank you all for coming here tonight. I hope you will not regret that you did not stay at home following the football much if there is one tonight. I don't know. There is an old story about Dr. Kissinger, who was introduced to a gathering. and the person to introduce him said, "And the next will be Dr. Kissinger and there is no need to introduce him. And Kissinger said, no, 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 read out the CV. It's always nice to listen to. (laughs) Sabinia, you were referring to my um, uh, early career and um, I started uh, with um, international development aid. And I did uh, that for eight years without visiting a single development country, developing country. I think this is a Finnish record. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps a European record, but uh, I'm proud of it.
1: <laughs>
3: I have a second record. Uh, my first stay in Brussels was uh, from 1995 to 2000 uh, after we joined. Uh, but I spent uh, two years um, participating in the negotiations on membership. Seven years in Brussels, with a very good uh, metro uh, network, and during those seven years I did not use the metro one single time. (laughs) Not because I thought it's not my standard, it just happened. Again, I think, a uh, record. <laughs> now, Europe. Uh, thank you very much. It's uh, very really uh, impressive uh, that you are interested in this uh, subject. I will start uh, in, from the early days and I will uh, work my way through the decades and uh, come to this uh, very day. As you know, Jean Monnet, the Frenchman, was one of the founders of the European Union. And he was a really, a real visionary, and he spent some time here in the U.S. as well. And I think he got many of his ideas in this country. After the war, he was convinced that Europe needs a new beginning and something else compared to what had been in Europe during the uh, preceding decades, uh, with all the bad developments, two world wars and uh, all that. And he thought not that people would become better, but he thought there has to be a system which will avoid wars in the future. And his aim was to build peace, and he thought the means to this would be to build economic integration. And he thought in common institutions, supranational institutions, and he believed in sharing sovereignty. Sharing one's own sovereignty in order to have a common sovereignty. Uh, By the way, uh, the US uh, was uh, very supportive supportive of uh, this um, uh, development and uh, without the US, uh, the integration process would not have started, would not have uh, developed and uh, would not have uh, given the fruits it has given today. Uh, The European uh, integration was one part of the new multilateral order. UN was one part. Uh, GATT at that time, now World Trade Organization, was the second. European integration the third. And uh, the security alliance, NATO, was the fourth. And uh, this is a system which has served us well in Europe, in uh, uh, the US and uh, uh, more widely in the world. Now we are 70 years later, am I shouting? Would you like me to shout? (laughs) 70 years later, we have experienced the longest period of peace for many decades. And yesterday I said that we are already in the fourth generation of people experiencing peace, but I think it is the (laughs) 5th, would you Christina make the counting and come back? (laughs) At least, in in any case, 70 years and uh, that is a remarkable uh, achievement. Uh, The economy which uh, was uh, the means of uh, building peace and stability is uh, flourishing Uh, and uh, we are uh, number two in the world. Perhaps uh, we will soon be overtaken by China, but uh, we will remain top three. And as a trade power, the European Union is uh, number, f- number one in the world. Uh, the European Union received uh, the Nobel Peace Prize in 2012. Uh, I remember this uh, very well. I was uh, myself in Helsinki back from Brussels for uh, a visit um, by Herman von Rompe, Van Rompey, who was uh, the president of the European Council. And it uh, was um, announced uh, midday uh, when I arrived in Helsinki journalists came to me and said that there are rumors that, that the EU will receive the Nobel Peace Prize. And I started uh, to laugh a bit nervously, and I said uh, I don't think so, I have not heard anything. Uh, Herman Van Rompuy arrived in Helsinki by plane. He was received at the airport. And uh, one of my colleagues uh, who received him uh, told him there are rumors that uh, the EU will uh, be given a peace. Nobel Peace Prize today and Hermann Van Rompuy started to laugh a bit nervously and said um, I don't think so <laughs> and then when he arrived at uh, midday it uh, was official and uh, after that um, all the eyes of the world was on him, were on him and uh, partly on Helsinki. Uh, soon after this, um, there was a competition for young people in, in, in Europe. And the question was, uh, what does uh, the EU mean for you? And uh, it was a competition where you had uh, to put up a tweet on what you thought EU meant to you. And uh, this uh, competition was uh, won by a young Maltese uh, lady And her tweet was, For my parents, it was a dream. Sorry. For my grandparents, it was a dream. For my parents, it was a process. For me, it is everyday life. And um, I think um, she merited uh, this uh, prize in uh, this uh, competition. It was well put and it it, uh, describes uh, what it is about. I go some uh, years uh, forward. I attended uh, the um, uh, signing ceremony of uh, the large enlargement in uh, 2004. This um, uh, event was in uh, Greece, in Athens, at uh, the old historical place of uh, Stoa Attica. And uh, all the leaders are from Europe uh, 2015 at the time plus 10 acceding countries plus the president of the european parliament plus the president of the european commission and everybody intervened three minutes each everybody uh, stuck with the time except for our friend berlusconi And when he started uh, to speak, um, I looked at my watch, um, this might exceed three minutes, and he used seven minutes. And his speech was excellent. It uh, did not start anywhere, and it did not end anywhere. (laughs) And there was nothing in between. (laughs) But I think uh, Tony Blair, who was uh, Prime Minister of uh, the UK at the time, uh, he put it uh, quite well speaking without notes, respecting three minutes and he said this is a new beginning again, a new beginning for the eastern part of Europe. It is a homecoming, they are rejoining us and that gives opportunities to them. For us in the West, it is going back together with our old friends in Eastern Europe and the result of all this will be a gain for everybody and we will win, everybody will win on this um, uh, development. Uh, A bit after this um, uh, Pat Cox, an Irishman who was um, at that time president of the European Parliament, uh, visited Finland, met with my foreign minister over dinner, and I was sitting at the table as well. Uh, We were uh, discussing uh, the enlargement uh, process and uh, uh, the result of it, which was that they would accede uh, accede the union. And uh, Pat Cox said uh, this is um, something more than uh, just directives, than uh, just uh, technicalities, more than just small things. And he told about a conversation he had 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 a bit earlier with a Lithuanian politician. And this Lithuanian politician told that in the 60s his family had been deported to Siberia. After 10 or 15 years they returned But as um, his father had been uh, politically active uh, on the wrong side, they returned without any perspective for the future. His father was out of a job and uh, they had uh, to do many things in order to survive, but not a decent job. Uh, When uh, when, uh, the years moved on, the son in the family became politically active and he was um, uh, advancing the membership of Lithuania. And he was attending the uh, uh, signing ceremony in uh, Athens, Stoatica, and he phoned his mother uh, back in uh, uh, Vilnius and uh, told her uh, where he is and he said, uh, uh, Mother, we have uh, come a long way. And uh, Pat Cox uh, thought that this uh, illustrates uh, what um, had happened uh, better than uh, ten references uh, to one hundred directives or whatever. I move on some years I was in Brussels as ambassador in 2008 till 2013. And uh, sometimes around 2008 uh, or 2009, the Estonian Commissioner phoned us and said uh, he would like to meet me. He was in charge of transport, an important file, so I took my, uh, uh, my um, uh, a diplomat uh, uh, working with transport with me and uh, prepared for a discussion about uh, transport. And he did not mention one word about transport. And he, he, was, he wanted uh, just to sound out um, uh, what um, I, we in the uh, station were uh, uh, thinking about. And uh, we started uh, to discuss uh, uh, the uh, relations with Russia and I said uh, a bit uh, apologising that uh, we have a bit of um, difference in uh, our uh, attitudes, Estonia and uh, Finland. And I said uh, uh, we are um, perhaps more ready to uh, cooperate with Russia without setting too many preconditions believing that along the way they will adopt the western european values and uh, customs and the uh, same said uh, well i have um, to tell you ambassador a little bit uh, about estonia and he said when it uh, regained its um, independence in, uh, in the early 90s They put uh, emphasis on three things, and the first one was uh, uh, the rule of law, and the second was building strong institutions, and the third was to cement democracy. And he said, without these uh, measures, Estonia would not be what it was at, at that time, would not have been able to join the European Union and uh, would would not have uh, produced uh, the fruits they produced. I just uh, finished a book uh, this morning by a former Prime Minister of Estonia, Mart Laar. Very interesting book. And he uh, wrote about uh, these um, events and uh, those uh, times and uh, gave evidence of uh, the same. And uh, this uh, was in uh, contrast, uh, in stark contrast, to some other countries. Uh, I uh, move on and uh, uh, would like to say a few words about um, the EU and say that it is a fine fabric, fine-tuned fabric. Uh, It's a mix of uh, big member states, small member states, and uh, all in between. And uh, the idea with the whole union is that we have a rule of law and we have uh, patterns and uh, we have uh, regulations uh, that we follow. And uh, I think one of the biggest ideas is uh, that it is uh, the power of argument that counts and not the argument that comes from power. Uh, The union is uh, something uh, which uh, should be uh, of a comfort for big member states and it uh, should uh, give uh, the security for smaller member states that they are uh, comfortable with uh, the system and that uh, they think that they have a say in uh, the process. And um, from my experience, this is uh, just how it is. Uh, It does not work without hiccups, but it works uh, uh, much, much better than we would think. Of course, um, uh, through the years, um, uh, France and uh, Germany have uh, played uh, a big role. And in many instances, when there is a problem, then we turn to the French and the Germans. And in many instances, they have come out with a solution. And this has happened more than once. But then, as true as this is, that it cannot be only about France and Germany. And in order to get all on board, all have to be involved. There is uh, much um, uh, discussion in these days uh, during the last years, perhaps uh, during the last uh, decades about um, the uh, democratic... uh, uh, what do you call it? Legitimity. Becoming a bit tired. Right. And uh, the saying is uh, that um, this uh, can be restored only through the uh, European Parliament. Well, this is uh, true, and it has happened, and it is fine that the European Parliament is elected directly by the European people. But uh, when uh, some say that um, the others are not uh, democratically elected, talking about our Prime Ministers, or heads of government, they are not uh, right on that. Uh, During the um, uh, euro crisis, financial economic euro crisis, uh, 10 years ago, uh, ended um, finally in 2015, I remember Herman Van Rompuy, you remember him, my friend from Helsinki, uh, he said, uh, in a response uh, to the um, suggestion that uh, the EU is not uh, really a democratic um, uh, um, setting. He said, um, think about uh, the prime ministers coming for endless meetings on how to uh, save uh, the euro. The first problem they have is uh, to get a mandate uh, from uh, their own parliament and that only would exhaust a normal man or woman fully but they had to cope with it and that is only the first part then they are coming to brussels and they are sitting in a meeting one day the following night following day perhaps following night and they agree not easily but they have to and they usually agree And everybody would think, okay, this is it, now we go home, everything is fine. But then starts the third phase, and that is perhaps the most difficult, and that is to explain to the parliament again, this is what we achieved, this is what we decided, and this is something I propose we have to live with. So if somebody says that they are not responsible or uh, uh, taking uh, their part in this, uh, nothing uh, could uh, be more wrong. Talking uh, two or three minutes about um, the cycle which uh, now has um, come to an end, 2014 till 19. Uh, Donald Tusk, uh, who has been uh, the president of the European Council, uh, his um, uh, time is uh, out uh, next week. He has been very good. He is a true politician. And he cares for Europe. And most of all, he has a terrific sense of humour. Uh, Milder toned, but very, very good. He said... Uh, if he would have uh, to uh, describe uh, his uh, tenure of um, uh, five years with uh, one single word, and that single word would be unity. Unity was what he was after, and unity was what he wanted uh, to uh, uh, guarantee, and that was uh, what he did. He said um, uh, recently, referring to his first intervention after his election in December 2014, what his programme would be, and I quote, What Europe needs is protecting our fundamental values, solidarity, freedom, unity against the threats to the EU and its unity, coming from both inside and outside. Politics has returned to Europe, history is back, and such times need leadership and political unity. And he was talking about this initial statement of him, and he said, through, through these five years, I have been obsessed by unity. And you can see it in these two or three sentences. I used the word unity three times. Now, um, uh, he had uh, to demonstrate uh, this um, uh, in at least uh, four fields. And uh, the first uh, one was um, uh, in the context of um, uh, the Russian aggression against Crimea, Ukraine, and all the meddling, infiltration, and uh, what else in uh, Europe. And um, when um, Russia invaded uh, Crimea and attacked uh, Ukraine, uh, there were long discussions about uh, what to do, and they agreed on sanctions, and uh, this uh, was uh, the first um, show of unity. Uh, The second was um, about um, uh, the Eurozone, the worst uh, years of um, the crisis were a bit earlier but it uh, did not end uh, before uh, 2015 and that was um, when uh, the last time when uh, a a package aid package uh, to greece uh, was discussed Uh, It was, um, according uh, to Tusk, a difficult uh, negotiation. I have uh, no reason to doubt his words. At 4 o'clock in the morning, he was in a small room uh, together with uh, Chancellor Merkel and uh, the uh, Greek Prime Minister Tsipras. And uh, they had uh, difficulties in uh, agreeing on what to do. And uh, they were a bit uh, frustrated and uh, they were um, ready to leave the room. And Tusk said, closing the door, sorry, no way you are leaving now. You have to sort this out. So they sat down for another 45 minutes and then they uh, left the room uh, with an agreement. And uh, Donald Tusk occurred before uh, the international press announce that we have a Greek mint. (laughs) The third uh, example is uh, migration. Uh, That was a crisis uh, 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 which hit uh, after I left, not because of me again, but uh, a real uh, crisis with an influx of record high numbers of refugees to Europe and um, it was um, a difficult uh, situation with uh, uh, tensions between uh, northern member states and southern member states and eastern member states in uh, north of uh, of, uh, Europe uh, they said uh, that uh, the southern member states are not uh, working on an effective uh, border in order uh, to avoid Uh, refugees coming in. In uh, the southern Member States uh, they said, um, you in the North uh, you have no solidarity with us. You don't understand our situation. You are not sensible to or sensitive to our situation. And the third part, uh, the European uh, the Eastern um, and Central European Member states uh, uh, were accused of not taking in any refugees. So it was a fight between all against all, and in the end, they had to agree, and they did so. The final example uh, Donald Tusk is uh, referring to is uh, Brexit. Have you heard about this? (laughs) Do you like it? Do you hate it? Right. Uh, When uh, the UK announced uh, that they uh, would like uh, to leave uh, one uh, reaction, uh, thought, was that uh, this uh, will spread uh, to other countries. And um, the UK was not um, uh, late in uh, uh, proposing that uh, perhaps uh, this uh, would uh, be a good idea for you as well. We don't want to leave alone, join us in uh, this exodus. And what happened? The 27 member states have been united all since and all efforts from the UK to have bilateral negotiations uh, to have a wedge in here, another wedge there, all has been in vain. A word about uh, Juncker who is uh, the outgoing uh, president of uh, the um, uh, European Commission. He said um, uh, the last five years, in his view, has been a question of European solidarity. And he was uh, referring uh, to the same issues, and he was uh, referring uh, to how he has uh, uh, thought about uh, this. He uh, is a uh, man of drastic words, and uh, when he started he said that this is the last uh, chance commission. Uh, That was in order uh, to get uh, everybody awake and um, uh, understand that that, um, there are big issues in front of us and uh, we have uh, uh, to uh, try to um, resolve these as well as possible. Uh, His um, uh, medicine was uh, to have a more political commission than before. He wanted to be big on big and small on small and this was in response to public opinion who thought that the European Union is meddling in too many minor things. And his agenda was growth, jobs and investment. Uh, Without uh, going into any details, I think he has uh, been um, uh, successful on these um, uh, three uh, uh, endeavours. Jean-Claude Juncker has a great sense of humour, and he was uh, referring uh, to a meeting with uh, President uh, Trump on uh, trade issues, and um, uh, he said um, uh, Trump, in his uh, usual style, introduced the subject for 20 minutes telling about all persons he had met and saying, I told him, I told her, I told him, I told him and then Juncker said, you have been talking to the wrong persons and President Trump was a bit wrong footed and he said, what? What are you talking about? and Juncker said you should talk to me. And uh, Juncker is coming from Luxembourg, the smallest uh, member state of the European Union. And he said, it's me, I am the man. And he was right, of course, because that trade policy is uh, a common competence for the European Union. And a common... A, 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 did I say common? A soul. Soul. Uh, competence uh, for the the Union and uh, hence uh, for the Commission. So the right man to talk to was uh, Jürgen. And I think after that uh, they started uh, to talk uh, business. Uh, I have been uh, dragging on for far far too long so I will end just with one note. Uh, The new Commission and the new cycle will start uh, hopefully on 1st of December. It is not secured yet, but this is uh, the um, uh, intention. And uh, all, uh, many of uh, the big issues um, which have been dealt with uh, during the five uh, last years, and the uh, 10 last years, 15 last years, are still there. Climate change, uh, migration, uh, threats coming from uh, the outside, and then uh, uh, internal issues as, um, um, uh, as uh, making the single market even stronger. Uh, Juncker said uh, we have one problem in EU, uh, in uh, the EU and uh, that uh, in Europe in general and that is uh, that we are dying out. Uh, still in, in the beginning of uh, 1900, uh, 20% of the world um, population was in Europe. Uh, Now it is, uh, I don't know what uh, what it is, but uh, in uh, 80 years' time it will be only 4%. So um, uh, Europe has uh, to be vigilant and uh, Europe has uh, uh, to do um, uh, many things uh, uh, in order uh, to uh, to preserve the position it has. Because it is a strong position in economy, in trade in international politics. Perhaps one big point is that uh, the EU is not strong in foreign policy, but this is one of the uh, uh, priorities of uh, the next uh, uh, president of the commission who is Ursula von der Leyen. I stop here and if you have questions I will not duck. <laughs>
2: And uh, we would like you to use the microphone. We have two microphones, actually one right and left, for asking questions because this is going into a podcast. So please just raise your hand. So one second.
3: Raise your hand if you want to be heard by the American people. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, this is for you not for the American people. What is your going to do about Viktor Orban in Hungary? It's a problem.
0: <laughs>
3: and um, if um, you listen uh, to the Finnish uh, Vice uh, President of the Commission, Jyrki Katainen, he says uh, that Brexit is a grave uh, thing. He says um, migration is a difficult issue. He says uh, that Russia, as aggressive as it is nowadays, is a big problem. But the biggest problem is the erosion of common values. And he says, and I agree, and uh, we are not uh, the only ones. Uh, this is uh, something which uh, has uh, to be stemmed, and it is not easy to do, but it has to be done. If uh, this uh, spreads uh, from hunger. Now the same problem is in Poland, but if uh, this is uh, spreading then uh, the fundamentals of the European will be in danger. So it has to be addressed and uh, we have uh, to come to grips uh, with this.
2: Thank you. So, Nico, right here. Thank
0: you. Um, You talked about the democratic legitimacy of the European Union. Um, and that is a problem because a lot of citizens see it as far away as a bureaucracy, are very critical. I like, don't know a lot about what happens in Brussels and we see that the turnout in European elections is very low and, and was dropping for a long time. In 2014, uh, the EU in the elections tried something new, having European-wide leading candidates so to give a face to the yeah. parties. And Jean-Claude Juncker was the candidate for the European People's Party. He became Commission President so you could say the voters have more influence but in the last election we had again the leading candidates but now von der Leyen is commission president and yeah. she wasn't one of the candidates yeah. so um, what do you think about this model was this a good idea to have more party competition more democracy at european level um, and what is the consequences of that it didn't work in, in the last election
3: Yes, uh, first about, um, uh, first about uh, the European U- Union, is it um, known, is it uh, recognized, is it uh, supported? At least it is supported. Uh, the numbers uh, in support of uh, the EU uh, these days are record high. Uh, we talked a little bit about um, uh, Poland, uh, the Polish people supported the European Union to 80%. In other countries, it is um, um, 70% or above, and uh, these numbers are uh, uh, exceptionally good. Partly they could be um, uh, due to the um, strong economic performance uh, during the last years, partly due to Brexit, because uh, through Brexit people now understand much better what the European Union is about. Boris Johnson does not uh, fully grasp it yet, but uh, people in Europe uh, understand this much uh, better than earlier. The um, lead candidate, uh, it was an invention by uh, the European Parliament. It worked so and so last time. Uh, uh, not uh, without uh, hiccups uh, but um, when um, uh, Jean-Claude Juncker eventually was uh, the leader candidate and uh, known by everybody and buddy with um, all prime ministers so uh, it was not so difficult uh, to appoint him. Uh, This time around The um, uh, supporter for uh, this uh, uh, procedure was a bit uh, lukewarm. Uh, Macron was um, against it. And um, uh, I don't uh, accept um, that uh, the prime ministers or or head of uh, government uh, or state would be less elected than a member of uh, the European Parliament and uh, of course uh, there is a tension between uh, the Parliament and uh, the European Council uh, for many reasons uh, but um, I don't think this uh, qualifies uh, for a democratic uh, deficit. They are much more responsible to their voters on a short notice. in a a short term than the members of the European Parliament.
2: Thank you. This gentleman now, all the way in the back then.
1: Uh,
3: Do you think there has been uh, anything positive about uh, the EU doing
0: to stem Russian influence, uh, such as happened with Brexit or with the the 2016 election in the US? under um, influence? Are you
3: optimistic or do you, do you think it's not a big problem in the EU? If I would say I'm uh, optimistic, I'm not a diplomat. <laughs> <laughs> diplomat has uh, to have uh, both uh, feet uh, on the ground. But it's a good uh, question and I will uh, give a, a decent answer to it. Um, uh, Russian meddling uh, infiltration. Uh, 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 disturbing um, uh, elections um, inside the EU is not welcome, and it's not a good thing. And um, uh, it's not easy to counter, but um, uh, a lot has been done uh, during the last years. Uh, The problem is uh, that um, it's a moving uh, object, you cannot really identify, okay, now the meddling is coming from here, might come from there, and uh, you might be one step or two steps uh, behind, but uh, this is something uh, which um, has uh, to be uh, addressed and um, I think this is one of the priorities that the new Commission has established. It's a tough fight, but it has to be fought. Mm -hmm.
0: Ambassador, um, what is your vision for the EU with people moving, the immigration issue, the face of Europe ch- is changing, and on the way there, I'm curious: what is the flavor of Finland being the president, having the presidency mm. now? Um, is there a particular way Finland uh, is impacting that vision?
3: Yeah, are you talking about the migration into Europe? Yes. Yeah. Uh, First of all, on on, uh, Finland as a member state, Uh, when we joined uh, soon 25 years ago, uh, we had been pondering much on uh, what our line of action would be and uh, we decided that that we would be active, we would be constructive and that we would uh, strive to be in the group that uh, takes uh, uh, decisions. And um, uh, for a smaller member state, um, we thought that this uh, would uh, be uh, the best uh, way to act. Uh, Finland could be uh, compared to Massachusetts within uh, the uh, US. Massachusetts is small. Finland is uh, small. I remember uh, John F. Kennedy, uh, when he became a senator, he was pondering on the same question. And he had uh, two alternatives will I only see after the interests of uh, Massachusetts? Then being labelled as a narrow politician, just thinking of his own interests and the interests of Massachusetts. And the other um, uh, line of uh, action was uh, uh, to engage... Oops, sorry. (sighs) Uh, Take some time. Uh, the other uh, line uh, of action was um, to engage in uh, na- nationwide uh, policy and uh, have a view on issues that are important for. US and not just um, uh, Massachusetts. And uh, acting in this way, he thought that he would have a greater say and a better perspective over uh, solving issues when something of importance was at stake for Massachusetts. And uh, this is um, uh, very much uh, the line of action we have uh, been uh, taking as well. Uh, Being um, a president um, is uh, a heavy task, uh, but uh, it gives um, a possibility of um, putting in the issues um, you like to be put into the machine. Uh, And uh, if we look at um, the um, uh, programme of um, Ursula von der Leyen uh, there are um, uh, at least a number of things which are inspired by Finland. Not only by Finland, but um, uh, inspired and um, advanced uh, uh, by us. Uh, Concerning um, uh, migration, uh, it's um, not an easy issue for Finland. I don't know whether it is an easy issue for anybody Uh, but um, here we have, uh, and this is my uh, long-term view, we have uh, to be more sensitive uh, to the situation in Southern Europe. And um, by the way, one more story. Uh, When we were about uh, to join uh, Sir Nigel Hicks, I think his name was, from the UK, came to Finland and um, he was um, uh, participating in a uh, luncheon discussion and uh, before anybody uh, um, uh, was uh, ready to uh, tell him how European we are he came with a question and he said, uh, are you truly European? and uh, the uh, uh, other participants, uh, the Finns, uh, were a bit uh, uneasy what do you mean, are we Europeans? He said, if uh, there is a migration crisis in the Mediterranean, is uh, this an issue for Finland or is it only an issue for those countries uh, down there? And um, after that, um, the um, participants were not so um, ready to say that uh, yes, we are Europeans. That was more than 25 years ago and we are still Um, struggling with this issue.
2: So we have one last question back there and I would ask all other people with questions to gather around Jan's store with wine and some food.
3: When when will I be a free man?
2: (laughs) Not in the next half hour, but then. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh,
3: no, it was not after your question. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my
0: question then, um, I just wanted to hear more
3: of you comment about the federal school and how they affect um, domestic politics in Finland and then also European politics. We had a little discussion on Monday, but I'd like to know more about what you have to say about it. Berlusconi, said the truth Ah, okay. Berlusconi. I heard Berlusconi and I uh, was <laughs> wondering, is he still around? <laughs> um, <clears throat> um, the populism or uh, right-wing nationalistic parties, whatever you like to call them, it's a problem in Finland. It is a problem in Sweden it is a problem in Denmark, in Germany, in the Netherlands, in almost all European countries. Uh, The easy answer is uh, to say that uh, people are not uh, aware, they are not educated, they don't um, um, understand uh, what um, the world, how the world is uh, today, far too easy. Uh, there is some um, uh, real uh, concern among many people in all uh, Member States mainly stemming from globalization uh, and uh, the globalization is uh, not um, uh, treating everybody uh, in an equal way uh, and uh, when uh, this is um, as it is And there is a possibility for political parties uh, to make a gain out of this. And uh, I say and I mean to make a gain out of this. And uh, uh, they are uh, utilizing the insecurity, the fear, and uh, the um, failing understanding of what has happened in uh, the world and uh, in our societies. Here, I I, uh, favor much more the Emmanuel Macron approach uh, when he said uh, I hear you, I understand you and I want to come to grips with your problems and I will not, I repeat, I will not utilize your fear, your insecurity for political purposes. And I think that um, along these lines, we have uh, to come uh, to grips uh, with this problem, which is a big problem.
2: On this very optimistic note, (laughs) thank you a lot. (laughs)